you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, it's Roger, and this is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Wow. My guest today, Mr. Jesse Vasquez, just knocked my socks off. He's a veteran and seasoned operator with so many key learnings on his journey in this restaurant business and how he opened and operated multiple concepts. And we talked about the school of hard knocks, how he you know, learned from his failures and losing before learning how to really win in this business. The importance of being competitive and resourceful. You know, not just standing in the window waiting for the business to come in the door, but really going out in to the marketplace and getting the business. As Jesse calls it, he was street fighting. One of the key takeaways of the episode, it's like a burned out light bulb on the sign of our business that needs to be changed. Just like that, we all have burned out light bulbs in ourselves where we need to learn and strengthen our own weak spots to truly shine. And you just might be surprised by the lesson in this, why we don't want happy employees working for us. And it's absolutely true. So stay tuned and listen. On with the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics to help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. Today, I'm very excited. I have Mr. Jesse Vasquez, and he is a seasoned operator and a consultant, and he's got so many key learnings and great things to tell us. I was really excited that he reached out to me recently, and he presented a series of topics that I just knew that the audience would want to hear. So welcome to the show, Jesse. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, thank you, Roger, and thank you for having me on, and I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm so glad you are, Jesse, because again, I think your story is fascinating, and I'd really like to find out where it all began for you. You had an early start in this business and lots of early inspiration, and let's hear about that. Well, it all started, um, obviously, back in, in when I was a kid. My father was a waiter, and he was a waiter for Luchaus, which was a, a famous German restaurant in New York. And when I was young, he would take me in um, on certain days, and I got to hang out with the chefs and the cooks and the wait staff, and I and I ate the pre-shift uh, meals with them, and and it was a lot of fun. And he would he would do he would work a, a lot of catering events, so he would bring me along. And eventually, I got to the age where not only did he bring me along, but I also got paid to come along, which was always a great thing. That is a good thing, uh, especially yeah, so at that, a young age especially as you're going through high school to have some little extra money to have some fun. Right. Um, once I graduated from high school, he decided to move to Miami, Florida. Uh, so we packed up the family and, and moved down to Miami. He bought a, a Cuban cafe. And back in 1978, uh, there were only Cubans in Miami. Uh, now it's very diverse and, and, and it's a big food hub, uh, foodie hub, but back then it was Cubans and Cuban food. So buying a Cuban cafeteria seemed like a great idea. Was it in a good location? Actually, it wasn't a really good location, um, and it was a, a good ample size, and um, really there was nothing wrong with the, with the physical space, the location, uh, but we worked like dogs. I worked like a dog. 
I worked from 4.30 in the morning to 6.30 in the evening, seven days a week, wow. and we did that. I did that for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother would relieve me. He would come. He was going to high school at the time, and he would he would get out around 3.30, go home, do homework, and come and relieve me and, and close the restaurant. What time did it uh, close? About 11. Really? Oh. So it was 4.30 in the morning till 11 every night? Uh, oh, yes. my gosh. So what a seven killer. Days a week. And we were it. We were the employees. You were it. Uh, you did it all, uh, yeah. Yeah, we did it all. And uh, one of the the, the 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 biggest thing that I learned or that I saw was the harder we worked, the more everybody else made money. I mean, we weren't making any money. Mm -hmm. uh, but everybody else was making money. The the landlord, the suppliers, the, uh, the, the, the lawyer, the accountant, everyone was making money off our hard work. Where do you think and, you were losing money or you didn't really understand the finances or the critical cost controls? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, there's, there, I, what, the real epiphany uh, for me was that there were three main factors that either uh, dictated the success of a restaurateur or the failure of the restaurateur. And that was uh, technical skills, mm -hmm. financial skills, and working capital. Uh, we had no technical skills. We didn't know how to run a restaurant. My father knew how to be a waiter, but he didn't know how to be a, how to run a restaurant. I had taken two business classes. Therefore, I was a financial yes, uh, you were. <laughs> uh, guru of, of that operation, uh -huh. and, which means I didn't know anything. Sure. And, and we had no working capital. So those three things... Um, either lead to your success or lead to your failure. And in this case, it, it basically uh, led to our failure in the fact that not that we weren't willing to work, it was just that it was draining. And, yes. and, 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 and like I said, demoralizing there, there too, right? Working such long hours, uh, seven days a week. And when you're not making money, just spinning wheels. I mean, how frustrating that can be if you can't turn yeah. it around. Especially, and when you think of yourself as a young person, I mean, I was but in my early 20s, and you're thinking, oh, my God, I can't, I can't do it. I'm working seven days a week. I can't move. I, you know, I, I sleep and work. I sleep and work. So you, you see your life kind of pass away or, right. or moving on. Mm -hmm. So um, we ended up, um, my father got rid of the, the cafeteria, and I decided to go back to school. Uh, I went and got my bachelor's degree in economics and finance and um, decided long before that I, I wanted to pr pursue a life in this industry and eventually own my own restaurants. But I was going to do it right. And if I was going to do it right, I had to learn the financial skills. I had to learn the technical skills and I had to accumulate working capital. Absolutely. Those three critical pieces had to be part of it. Absolutely. So um, the funny thing is, going back to this time, uh, we're looking at South Florida, Miami, Miami Vice. Uh, the clubs were happening. I was a young guy and uh, I was out, you know, clubbing while I was in college. And um, I, I became friends with a manager of probably one of the most famous clubs down here. And I asked him, how did you become the manager of this club? Thinking, you know, I want to be a manager of a club like this. Yeah, you know, it's pretty glamorous and exciting, girls, isn't it? And, and, you know, yeah. get paid well and it's a nice right. lifestyle. Uh, he told me that he graduated from college, but that he really learned uh, all he needed to learn through McDonald's. So after I graduated, I went and started working for McDonald's as a manager trainee disappointed everyone in the family right Everybody's here's a college degree economics and finance and now you're working for mcdonald's and it's like it's what so are you thinking right 
thinking. But I knew, I of knew course. that this was this was the the avenue that I needed to take in order to to learn the skills that I needed to learn in order to reach my goal. Oh, absolutely. I mean, some of the most successful people that started with McDonald's just working in a store now own multiple franchises, right? They've taken it to every level of the industry. You've got a great story about that, too. You learned a lot about that business from that. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a crash course in the restaurant business in so many different areas, right? You learned so much from that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I worked 13 years for McDonald's. I, I was able to go and open stores, not only domestically, but internationally. Uh, I worked alongside the drafting department, the construction department, the real estate department, the human resource department. And I learned a little bit about every aspect of the restaurant business. I wasn't a, uh, the most knowledgeable on any particular aspect. Uh, I was very strong in operations, of course, but uh, I learned enough and I accumulated thanks to a great hefty uh, profit sharing program and stock option program. Uh, I just I had enough money where it was time to go and open my first restaurant, uh, which I went and did. And surprised. what year would that have been, Jesse? Take uh, us back was, in time. That was the, the restaurant opened in 2000 and I left around 1999. Uh, early 1999 to get everything going and, and, and started the process. And you found a location in a high traffic area and then you branded it. You came up with a concept and the theme and now it was based on a lot of your past learnings. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, well, the location uh, was, was excellent and I learned a lot about picking location from my experience in McDonald's, traffic flow, ingress, egress. Yes, I mean, I, yes. I, I kind of had the basics in place. Yeah, you're on the street corner counting cars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we yeah, aerials back then. Nobody did aerials. We were doing. I did aerials, and um, it, it was really, it was really a great time, and it was fun, and it was exciting, and and um, I was all in, to, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Um, now, what was funny is, I mean, what some of the things that that really surprised me was, you know, the, the problems I had with permitting and and um, just little things that, you know, you're always going to learn something. You're always going to learn something new. I had problems with zoning, which I thought we'd never open. And and one of the things that um, I I learned from Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, is it's not about how smart you are, it's how persistent you are. And I was persistent and we got it open. And I I, I wanted I want to share a story with you because I'm sitting there the day that we're going to open. It was a fast casual uh, concept and we, we were open uh, from lunch and dinner and we did deliveries but no breakfast so it was around 10 we were going to open at 11 and I'm sitting there paying some bills and I realized I have $24 left in my account but I start Crazy. seeing a line form outside yeah now we're not yeah. going to open till till 11 it's about 10 30 and I just said open the doors yes. and my manager came over and he said we can't we're not ready I, no this is it don't we're lose opening. any business don't keep them well, waiting don't let anyone walk away right we sell, we sell sodas if we have to but right. this was Anything. a high school that had that out for for um, for lunch yeah and i had a small window of opportunity and i took advantage of it and i knew the next day we open at 10 but today we open now absolutely and um, and that's how it started that restaurant uh, ended up doing 2.1 million its first year, and to put that in perspective, the average McDonald's did about a million four back in 2000. So this is 2.1 out of 
1,300 square feet, probably about anywhere from 32 to 36 seats. Let me ask you, did um, you have a bar business as well? Were you selling liquor then? No, I, I didn't. This was pure food. Yeah. Uh, it was in-store and, and deliveries. And I did a lot of catering. I did a lot of street fighting to build a brand. Uh, back then, there was no social media, so you were the social media yeah. uh, being out there. I didn't really do the caterings to, to make money, even though I tried not to lose money during the caterings. But I always priced it so that people would say yes. What I wanted to do was was to to capture the visibility component. Of course, and build the brand, and people enjoy the food. They're going to talk, and that's your own version of social media way back then. And that, and and I yeah. think that still works today. It does. I think that's no. fundamental. Yeah, there's so many operators, Jesse, that I don't need to tell you this, but they just kind of sit in their restaurant and they look out the window and they watch all the cars drive by and they're wondering why they're not pulling into the parking lot. You got to get out into the marketplace and build relationships and volunteer and put on events and just make friends with everyone, you know, and opinion leaders. All this stuff is important. Sounds like you were I, doing all of that. I, I agree. I mean, today you see. You know, people sitting on their computers, yeah. you know, posting pictures on Instagram and Facebook. And, and you know, I, I just I, that's not the way to do it. I think you have to really get out there and you really have to to get it into your mind that this is a fight and this is a street fight and you have to go out and street fight. Right. And if you do that, you have a much better chance of being successful in this industry. No question about it. What was the theme or the concept of your restaurant? What type of cuisine were you serving? It was a fast casual. It was a chicken based. Uh, I sold about 2,000 pounds of chicken a day, which is, I still can't believe That's it. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, back, right? This is back then. Yeah, yeah you and, were moving the chicken for sure. Timing is everything, of course. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were the first ones to come up with the bowl concept, or one of the first ones oh, yes. uh, with the chops. And uh, one of my, a couple of things really helped. Uh, number one, was the low carb diet um you know all these low carb diets started to come out and everybody wanted to eat chicken so there you go and we were right there at the right time at the right place um and the other thing that that really helped was uh uh dwayne johnson the rock the movie star oh yeah the rock was, everyone knows the rock well he was the rock back then this he was, was the he, he was a customer he was a customer, him and his wife back then, then they would come to the restaurant and people would see them and the word got out. That's and, awesome. And, and, and he was super nice. Yeah. He would talk to everybody. He would sign up. I mean, it didn't, you could, people were interrupting him. He was just a great guy. You can't buy and, that kind of, you know, you can't buy that type of press and that type of exposure. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it, basically, I, I owe him. Um, the gratitude that he made the restaurant trendy and then other celebrities or South Florida celebrities started to come to the restaurant and again this was wow. not, not, this is a fast casual we wanted right. to turn over but just it, it, it really became trendy and, and and very successful and we decided to grow and we opened up you know more restaurants I really got a little heavier into the caterings I realized the importance of of capturing the high schoolers first because they bring their parents. So I did a lot of um, mm -hmm. That's lunch caterings to every high school that would accept me. I started catering to the football teams. In fact, one year I was undefeated. I had three football teams, and every me every pregame meal that I did for them, uh, they won the game. So that also became a buzz. And, yeah, for sure, right? And, and We're not going to win if we don't eat the chicken. 
Oh, they have to eat it or they're not you're exactly they're not going to win. So, you know, not that I promoted that, but it took know, off on sure, its own. That was the idea. Um, oh. So it was just a fun time. And um, I, I started to grow. We opened more restaurants and, and um, you know, I, I had used to I had worked as a supervisor before and, and, and I could manage multiple operations, but um, I wasn't used to the money. And the money was flowing in, and I started to enjoy the lifestyle, and it, the restaurants didn't become fun anymore. Um, so I started to back off a little bit, and uh, around 2007, I decided to retire. I was still young, uh, suffered a couple of heart attacks in the way, and um, decided to get back you know, physically in shape and 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 move on so. so the lifestyle was literally killing you the stress was killing you the long hours that all that sort of thing no exercise you had no time for things right right like you don't realize it because you love it so much sure. it wasn't a job it was a passion and i really enjoyed it I know but that you know it away at me and so i took a, a year off I, I decided to retire and realized i was just too young to retire so i i opened up another concept and uh, it was horrible timing. Uh, this was around 2008 uh, during the um, the crash, and it was very difficult. And but I, I mean, you know, you know, you got to go out there and you got got to, you know, you got to do what you got to do and street fight, like I said. And 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 I did that, but it just really got to the point where um, I had accumulated all this fun stuff, and everybody was enjoying it, but I wasn't enjoying it because I was building a brand and. Uh, one day I was moving a Cadillac booth and it's just a, a booth that looks like a Cadillac car. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the guy that was helping me let it slip and, oh, and I ended up tearing a tendon and, and I just, you know, it was a life changing moment where, you know, what am I doing? I don't need to do this. I, I you know, um, meanwhile, like I said, I had suffered several heart attacks and, and I realized that my window was closing. Tell me about consulting. Um, what types of things uh, did you specialize in or do you specialize in? Um, I, I just finished a feasibility study for a Venezuelan group. Um, they're looking to expand their concept here. I've done a lot of work with the Spanish, several, several different jobs with them. But the latest one is uh, a book that they that they're this one group is writing about the health benefits. And uh, what I'm doing is I'm recruiting different restaurants for them to submit a recipe. And what they do is they kind of look at the recipe and 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 make it healthier while while keeping the same flavor profile. Uh, I'm also a brand ambassador for a uh, development which is uh, which is going to open in 2020. Um, I mean, it's just a little bit of everything. I also have, uh, as a way of giving back, I do a lot of uh, events and catering demonstrations, or not catering, uh, food demonstrations. So I have five chefs that work for me, but these are young chefs that are trying to to make a name for themselves. So I provide them the vehicle in order to do that. Uh, one of them, uh, in fact, just just uh, cooked at the James Beard House uh, back in April in New York. So. Um, you know, we're, we're getting there and, and it just makes me feel good that, you know, you're passing it on. You know, everyone's talking about the labor shortage today, the difficulty in finding and keeping a great staff. And you had multiple concepts. Was it challenging back then when you ran restaurants and started concepts to get great people? And once you had them, do you have any tips on, you know, how you motivated that team? And uh, it sounds to me like you led by example also. What would you say about that? Well, 
every restaurant, um, in order to be successful long term, you have to you have to have systems in place. Definitely. And and I always keyed on five basic systems, and and those were uh, recruitment and retention, training, scheduling, plan maintenance, and and production. Those were key, key, key systems that had to be in place. So recruitment and retention were really important. Recruitment, you, it's all about the people. Well, it's all about the brand, and the people make the brand. Yes, they do. They're almost their own brand within your brand if you train them properly. Absolutely. And just like you have to go and street fight in order to, to get customers, I believe that you have to street fight in order to get the best possible people. You do, for uh, sure. And, and that's what I would do. And, and that's another benefit of doing catering and going out into the marketplace because by being visible, uh, maybe you, you, you can't directly speak to that perfect employee, but you can to his grandmother or her grandmother or her sister that saw you at an event and said, hey, why don't you go work with this guy? You know, he seems to be a good guy and they're having fun and, and people are really developing and it's a trendy concept. And, and that was my best way of bringing good talent into the restaurants. Um, the, the other thing, really the key also is your management staff. Now, I was lucky in the sense that because of the experience that I brought in, I knew a lot of the managers that were out in the market. So I knew what their backgrounds were. I knew what their work habits were. I knew what they stood for. I knew, I knew who they were, what their standards were. So it, that, that kind of helps also in attracting uh, good employees. But once you have them in and now you have to train them, you know, you have to have a solid training program. Uh, you can't just have them shadowing somebody. That doesn't really work. You're uh, speaking my language, Jesse. You're <laughs> absolutely. I'm a huge believer in daily training and getting really hands-on. And, yeah, shadowing only works to a certain extent. And I wouldn't discount that once you've trained them with a system. And, and it's, it's not just training. It's retraining, yes. verifications. You have to have a system to track it. Um, it's a system. It's, it's not just individual little components of training. It's an overall package. Um, so that's super, super, super important. Um, and once you do that and now you have a productive employee, the last thing you want to do is have that person leave you because of the cost of retraining somebody else and finding and retraining, et cetera, et cetera, which you're all familiar with that. But also now, what if they go to your competitor or what if your competitor, which they, which they did often come in and offer them more money in order to leave, what's going to keep them there. So you have to have some type of retention program in place to to kind of you can't keep everybody and you're going to have turnover turnover is part of our business but there's good turnover there's bad turnover and and you know there's turnover for good reason bad reason or no reason right. at all right um, now i think you can dramatically cut turnover just by the way you lead by example you develop your people you train them daily you give them a sense of uh responsibility you know we trained our staff to think and act like owners and we gave them autonomy to make those critical decisions on the floor they felt valued they felt that their contributions mattered and then the kicker was recognition and rewards 
every single week. We recognized and we rewarded people for outstanding performance. And our, I, I think we had a 96% retention rate year after year in our restaurants just based on that simple philosophy. And it sounds like you did very similar things. Yeah, absolutely. And one, one thing I'd like to add is um, it's not about keeping your, your, your employees happy. In fact, I know everyone's going to get mad at me, but happy employees are unproductive employees. What you're looking at doing is what you really want is you want satisfaction. You want satisfied employees, just like you want customer satisfaction. You don't want customer happy. You want customer satisfaction. You want employee satisfaction. So you want to give them challenges. You want to give them, um, you know, uh, that once they leave that job that day, they, they know that they earned their pay, that it was that, that it was worth it, that they belong to a family, that 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 their work is is being appreciated because Absolutely. we all want to be appreciated. So I caution uh, restaurateurs out there not to not to focus too much on the happy aspect because no one's happy cleaning a bathroom. No one's happy taking out the garbage. No one's happy doing all these things, you know. But the overall job, you really want them to have some form of satisfaction with that. I totally agree, and I'm really glad you clarified. And at first, I'm thinking, what? We don't want happy employees? I think that makes perfect sense. That's awesome. Let's talk about, is it really about the food, Jesse, that brings people into restaurants? Is, is it a lot of different things? What are your philosophies there? Like, why do people come to restaurants? Well, what, well let's take a step back. Is it really about the food? You know, as the program coordinator for culinary school, was it really about the food? And that's what all these students were focused in on. It was about the food. It was about the food. It was about the food. And I would think to myself, oh, man, you know, it, it is about the food. But that's a given. It is that's a, a given, given. Right. There's the so food many has things. to be good and it has to taste good. You could have the best quality food, but it doesn't taste good. Right. It's it, you're not going to succeed. So is it about the is it about the atmosphere and environment? Is it about location? It's about the brand. That's what it's about. It's about the brand. And the brand is all encompassing. It's the experience, the customer experience from beginning to end. I think they call it the uh, touch, the uh, customer t uh, touch point, yeah. touch point, oh, yeah. is what it's called. So you know, when I go in to do a, a, a consulting job for 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 a restaurant, you know, one of the first things I do is I experience the, the restaurant as a customer. I mean, I, I want to see, you know, uh, what did it feel like? Was it easy to park? Was it easy to get in? Was it, you know, when I walked in the door, what was my first emotional experience? You know, my first contact with anybody. And then what I do is I sit down and I purchase food and, and, and based on Based on the, the what I order, I can tell pretty much what's going on in the restaurant. So I, I can see how their training program is. I mean, I'm looking at it from a systems perspective. I can tell whether their equipment is calibrated. I can tell the cleanliness of the of the restaurant. And then finally, in the the piece de resistance is I go into the manager's office or the chef's office or whoever's running that restaurant. And once I walk into that office, I know exactly everything that's happening in that restaurant. You can tell um, their their commitment to standards, their organization, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's so happening after, behind the scenes and it's oh, all telling by that, that one office. <laughs> that office, well, think about it. I mean, that one office, only one person has control of it. 
and and it's a reflection of that one person. And if it's cluttered uh, and disorganized, then they're cluttered and disorganized. If it's if it's clean and organized, then the restaurant is clean and organized because Definitely. it's a reflection of their standards. Yes, so that's philosophy. My job is an easy job. You know, it, it may seem difficult, but it's really not. It's just everything goes back to basic fundamentals. For sure. Excellent ideas. So you're a big believer in the power of a brand, but not just the company, the personal brand of the owner, right? Or the manager running the place. Let's talk about that. Well, when I was uh, opening restaurants internationally for, for not only McDonald's, but for other, other uh, big food service industry companies, um, when you go into the, this is back in the 80s and, and early 90s. Um, so uh, brands were expanding and um, internationally. And, and you would go down to these countries. And I remember one in particular, which was in Mexico. I opened a, a McDonald's in Guadalajara, Mexico. And I think I believe it was the third restaurant in, in, in Mexico at the time, which was unbelievable. I mean, they, they, they were, oh, it was great. Um, but I remember sitting at this, the, the, this meeting and then you had, you know, everybody was represented and you had human resources and they were concerned about how much to pay or really not pay. Um, you know, you had construction, you had real estate there, you had legal, you had all these different departments. And I remember sitting and, and, and thinking, you know, I don't really care about all this stuff. And what I care most about at that point was how big is the sign? Because back at, in those days, the difference between a road sign and a monument sign, well, road sign being the big signs and a sure. monument sign being a little sign um a little you know kind of square little sign low to the ground was about three hundred thousand in sales a year back then mm -hmm. and and i knew that if i got a bigger sign i automatically had an increase in sales so as i went from country to country you know the same scenario played out and i realized how important the sign was and why because of visibility Definitely true. And I realized that we are the sign of this company that we call you. So you are the CEO of you. You're the human resource manager. You are the vice president of real estate. You're the vice president of finance. You're the vice president of every uh, aspect of this dysfunctional corporation that you call you right now. So... Um, and in most cases, as a stockholder of this company, um, you would fire the CEO because you're not reaching optimum revenue and optimum growth. So I started to look at myself as, um, as this company, and I started to, to really analyze this whole concept of the sign. And the sign, the first thing that you want to determine is what does the sign say? Because once you walk in a door, your sign has already communicated who and what you are. Definitely. So what does it say? So you have to be blatantly honest with yourself. Um, and then what do you want it to say? Because you can always change what the sign says. Well, interesting you say that. I had 
you know, our main signs, of course, but then one of the things that was most effective is we had those, you know, changeable letters below the main sign where we could put up specialty messages on a daily basis. Some of them really catchy to capture the public's imagination. Some of them talking about what was going on that weekend, you know, that kind of thing. I always recommend if you could possibly do that, there's so many benefits to being able to customize the messages in addition to the branding of your sign. Well, you got, you got to make sure that people can read it, understand what you're trying to say, right. yes. and that they accept it. And and that was so important. And then other aspects. I mean, I talk a lot about this, and uh, but other aspects of the sign is you 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 drive around and you see these signs and they have lights out. Well, what do you do? You if you have a light out, you replace the bulb, right? You fix the sign. Well, we all as individuals, as as brands. As, as CEOs of our own company of us, uh, we have lights out. So some of us are not good with financial numbers. Some are not good with people. Some of us are not good at speaking. Some are, uh, We all have lights out. And, and once you identify that light being out, then you have to go in and you have to change the bulb. And you have to work on yourself and develop yourself. And then every sign that I've ever put up Every single sign that I've ever put up, um, I've had to put uh, what's you know curb appeal. So little plants and little trees, and and it's beautiful and it's great, and then it starts to grow. And as that little tree starts to grow, it starts to cover up your sign. And you could trim the tree. <laughs> And back in the old days, I, I'm sorry, your listeners are going to hate me again for this, but you could kill the tree. Today, you can't kill the tree. So um, not that I ever did or would, but there comes a point where you have to either raise the sign, but you really didn't fix the problem. Sometimes you have to relocate the sign. And as individuals, sometimes we have to relocate our sign. And and. You know, what's the tree? Your trees could be your friends. Your tree could be your your significant other. Your, your tree could be your, your your family. And that's not to say that they're bad. They could be so, so loving. You can have such loving parents. And I tell this to young people. They love you so much. You were blessed into this great family that they protect you. For and sure. by protecting you, they'll never let you be as visible as you can be. And visibility equals revenue. So you have to make that decision sometime to cut and relocate the sign. And some people were just brought up in a bad environment. They're surrounded by bad people. Their their tribe, I guess, so to speak, right. is right. just a bad influence. And sometimes you got to relocate the sign for that reason. And then the sign also could be dirty. And, and we have to really look at ourselves and say, you know, are we polished? Are we clean? Are we, are, we, are we presenting the right image? And that's our personal brand. And I think if we look at ourselves as the sign and have our managers look at themselves as their sign, I think overall you're going to enhance the brand of the business. And I think that's a key to success.
Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I mentioned earlier, you know, when we trained our staff to think and act like owners, that meant so many things, but it really started with when they came to work every day. We had them walk through the front door as if they were a customer and put their customer's eyes on and notice and fix what they saw was broken. You know, we didn't want burned out light bulbs and we didn't want dirty windows or even, you know, a poster that was advertising an event that was for last week and now it's out of date. I mean, these are all the things that the customer sees you know I'm famous for saying this is the business of a thousand details and even Absolutely. though we get 990 of those details correct it's the 10 we miss that the customer always sees Absolutely. So you know and it's not just you as the owner you as the manager it's like we talked about this every individual you know if you're developing your team it should think of themselves as your brand and to see and fix and make sure that everything is how we would expect the customer to see it and perceive it and experience every aspect of that restaurant. I think that's critically important. I, I totally agree. And I think one of the, the problems uh, of a restaurateur is they're so engaged in their business that they yes. become blind to their business. Absolutely they don't true. see certain mm-hmm. things. So you too really have to, to you're too close to the forest. So you really need everyone. It's a team, it's a family, and you have to look at it that way. And you may not agree with everybody, you may not do what everybody wants them, what they want you to do, but you gotta be able to listen and you gotta be able to 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 consider um, everything that you're being told. And, and that's gonna make you way more successful than just doing it all on your own and being an island onto yourself. Very true. You know, we've talked about how difficult and challenging this business is. Even if you're a seasoned operator, you've been running for years, it's like you can't ever let your guard down. You want to go out there and you called it street fighting and going out and getting the business and being super competitive and always raising your game and not just sitting back saying, yep, the money's rolling in, we're doing fine. You got to stay relevant with the customer. What other tips and best practices do you have to not just survive in this business, but to really kill it, to really knock it out of the park, you know, to grow a concept carefully, to grow it successfully? I think one, well, you bring up the the issue of growing your concept. I think that you have to be very careful uh, not to grow too quickly. I think that you have to put your, you have to have, as you start to grow, you have to have a farm team ready because in your first restaurant, you're all in. So, you know, you're bringing all that experience, you're, you're hands on. But as you get to your second and your third, fourth, fifth restaurant, you're no longer hands on. You, you, you may go in for a short period of time, but you have to start depending on on others. So again, I mean, I, I sound like a broken record, but it goes back to having systems in place. If you have the systems in place, whether you lose a key employee, a manager, if you have to back out, um, the system is still there. And and anyone that can come in, they're, they're coming in ready to ride the bicycle. Um, and and that's, that's key. And, and you have to be really careful. And the other, the other uh, warning I would give to restaurateurs is uh, try to keep the ego in check because we got major egos. And that's why we're out there and we're risking everything. But um, that ego will get you in a lot of trouble. 
And that's an interesting point you're making, Jesse. You know, uh, there's that old adage that says you can't please all the people all the time. But in this business, we really try hard to do that. But when you've got an ego and people complain about an experience, you know, some people can be confrontational. You know, we're, wake, we're working long hours, the heat of the kitchen, all that kind of stuff. And then someone just rubs you the wrong way. And somehow you just got to take the high road and kill the customer with kindness and deliver the best experience possible. And that can be a challenge if you got an ego. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's when you when you speak to customers or anybody else, whether it's your bank or whoever, anyway. um, when 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 things are going right, it's we. And when things are not right, it's I. And, and you can that. never, never, ever forget that. And, and also, you, you get to the point where once you're successful with one, two restaurants, you got it down. And so now your third restaurant, well, these what I call screens that I had in place for site selection, et cetera. Yeah, I don't need the screen. I know what's I know a good location. I know this. I know I'm gonna do great at that. And that's where you start making mistakes. And and you really have to be careful, careful, careful with um, you know, going away from the fundamentals and, and the foundations that made you successful. Let's talk about, okay, you've got multiple concepts. You can't be in all places at all times, but you got your systems in place. How much time did you spend visiting the other locations? And when you were there, what did you spend most of your time focused on? Was it analyzing what's going on? Was it, you know, talking to the key people and motivating them? Was it getting into the kitchen also? Uh, tell us all about that. It's, it's a little bit of, of, of all those things you mentioned. Um, the, probably, let me, let me start with the, the negative part first. Okay. You, know, you, Please, you, don't, yeah. you, you don't have time. So time is the biggest, um, I don't know, it's, the, it's, it's, it's really the all about factor, yeah, yeah, it's all about time. So when you walk in, you're really pointing out negative things. Things that you're seeing, snapshots that you're that you're taking, and you have to be very careful with that. You have to because again, we're talking about the importance of retention. We're talking about the importance of family. You want to have the highest standards because that's important. But you gotta just you you gotta check yourself. You gotta check yourself, and you gotta if you really believe that this is your family, then you have to, you know, make sure that you, that you touch them as you would your family and, 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 and find out about them and, and know who's working for you. When you have your first restaurant, you know, everybody and you know, everything about That's right. everybody. That's right. But when you have your third restaurant, you know, you're talking, you know, in, in my case, my third restaurant, I was I, close to 200 something people working for me. You know, it's hard to know each and every one of them. So um, that's really important. Now, how do you keep high standards? Well, you, my suggestion, uh, once you become a, a multiple owner, you have to be, um, uh, what's the word, uh, unpredictable. So you, you show up before they open. You show up five minutes before closing. You show up when you're not supposed to show up. Uh, right. And that's right. kind of a good way to keep everybody on track. Um, and, and, and again, we go back to recruitment. You have to have good people because at the end of the day, it's really all about your people. It really is. Your brand is your people. And that's that's it. 
Well, this is excellent advice. It's been a wonderful conversation, Jesse. I'm so glad you had the opportunity to share your insights and your experiences and, and your journey in the restaurant business. Oh, thank you very much. Um, you know, I really appreciate this opportunity. And uh, if anybody would like to reach out to me, they can on my, my website. It's J-A-N Consulting Group, J-A-N-C-G.com. And, um, you know, if they want to talk and uh, believe me, I'm here to, to give back. I'm going to put that into the show notes to make sure everyone can find you because I think you're a wealth of information and it's been inspiring having the conversation and you took a, you brought me on a trip down memory lane because we've, <laughs> we've faced a lot of the similar challenges, you know, starting restaurants, running restaurants, and I do believe we share a lot of the similar philosophies yeah. and, you know, a lot of key things came out of the conversation that I just know the audience will benefit from. So I thank you again for being on the show. No, no, thank you. And, 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 and please, please consider having me back because I think we just touched the tip of the iceberg today. I mean, there's so much more we could talk about and each of these topics we could expand on. Well, you know what? I think that's a great idea. Can you just drop me a line, Jesse, and just send out a couple more of your ideas on what you'd like to cover and we'll definitely bring you back. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast and we'll see you again next time. Rockstars, wasn't that a killer episode? Key learnings from the trenches with a veteran operator. Now, I don't need to tell you all the challenges this business can throw at you, but if you're just starting out with your first restaurant and you don't know what you don't know, or if you've been in this business a while and you just know there are missing pieces, maybe some of the things Jesse and I talked about today, then you got to register for my free webinar, How to Start and Run a Wildly Successful Restaurant. Okay, I'll be sharing three secrets that, believe me, will absolutely make all the difference for great success in this business. I'll be teaching how to know and review your critical restaurant numbers in just 10 minutes per week. Even if you hate the numbers, I make it super simple. How to build a dream team staff and double sales through empowerment, recognition, and rewards. I'm giving you a roadmap to the foundation of every successful business and how to drive new and repeat business while building strong customer loyalty to your restaurant. It's all about satisfied, loyal customers, getting them to come back and tell your friends. And I'll even share some of those street fighting tips that Jesse and I talked about. To register for this free webinar, head on over to www.restaurantrockstars.com forward slash wildly successful. Okay, this is a really awesome opportunity, so don't miss it. And also, don't forget to, to subscribe to the podcast, okay? It's absolutely free, but you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could take two minutes to just leave us a review on iTunes. This is super important, and it'll help other owners and managers find the podcast, and I'd be super appreciative of your time. So I'm wishing you the absolute best of success, and we'll see you again next episode. Thanks for listening to, to the, the Restaurant, Restaurant Rockstars, Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.